Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman with ChristLives.org. Today we continue our series of sermons in the final countdown, a series that we started around March of this year. Today our lesson comes from Revelation chapter 17 verses 1 through 18 and is entitled The Judgment of the Babylonian Harlot. In chapter 16, we witnessed the final judgment of God against this world. We saw God destroy this world through a series of powerful plagues. We also witnessed the defiance of fallen man. See, even in the face of judgment, man refused to repent. This shouldn't surprise us. Man has refused to repent in the face of law, and man has refused to repent in this age of grace. Man is a horrible sinner, and apart from the grace of God, mankind is hopelessly lost. As we continue our study in the final countdown, let's read from the Word of God. Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 18. One of the great angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast, because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come, but when he does, he must remain only for a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. The ten hordes you saw are ten kings which have not yet received a kingdom, but who will for an hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will rage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and with him will be his called chosen and faithful followers. Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. You know, this chapter and the one to follow 
explains all things talked about in chapter 16. This is where we see the fulfillment of these prophecies. In this chapter, we will witness the fall of the great worldwide church that will flourish after the rapture of the church. This system is already at work even today. All around the world, there's a great move underway to bring all religious groups under one central umbrella. We are witnessing the great falling away, which the Bible says will come about in the last days. You can look at this in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, 1 Timothy 4, 1-3, and in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1-3. through 3. It has always reached the point where Bible-believing Christians, that is, people who take the Bible literally and try to live a holy life for the Lord, are under increased attack. The only way to succeed in the eyes of the world is to conform and be tolerant of each other's beliefs and opinions. I believe that all Christians can worship together. But when people go off on a tangent and begin to worship and dabble in areas that are forbidden, that is where we must draw the line. Let's look at this awesome chapter and see if we can identify what is happening here. The last plague in Revelation chapter 16 verses 17 through 21 brought about a great earthquake that destroyed the cities of the world. This final great quake devastated all the places that man had created. This earthquake destroyed everything that represented the greatest accomplishments of humanity. All of man's centers of pleasure and profit are wiped out. Since the dawn of time, man has been in the business of trying to get by without God. Man rests on his power, his accomplishments, his ability to produce, and his ability to enjoy pleasure. In that last great judgment, everything that man trusts is taken away. We're also told that the great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 19, Babylon is a city, but it is also a system. Babylon represents everything mankind has accomplished apart from God. This system is judged in the seventh bow judgment. What we have in chapters 17 and 18 is another parenthetical passage. These two chapters give us the details of the destruction of the Babylonian system. In chapter 17, we will see the destruction of religious Babylon. In chapter 18, we will see the destruction of economic Babylon. Let's look at the description of this Babylonian harlot. Now, the first verse tells us that we're going to witness the judgment of the great whore. The word whore is a word that we do not use in decent company, but it is a word used by the Bible, so we must deal with it. It translates the Greek word porne, which refers to a woman who sells her body for sexual uses, a harlot, a prostitute. It also refers to a woman who is an idolatress. In this passage, the word refers to the whole system of false religion embraced by this world. These verses teach us about this system of false religion and how it will be judged in the future. Let's look at this Babylonian mother. She's very popular. She has worldwide influence. This religious system will have the ear of the world, power, and wealth. And when you reject the truth, you will be sucked in by a lie, i.e. secret churches. We look at her perversion. She's a whore. No woman wants to be called that term. She will use her charms to deceive the world into thinking she is the right way. Let's look at the prediction. This church is upheld by the power of the beast. 
It will be headquartered in Rome. Look at verse 9. She will be defended by the ten-nation confederacy of the revived Roman Empire. The church will once again wed the state. Look at Constantine in 325 A.D. Then Christianity began to change. You have Christmas, Lent, baptism, relic worship, saint worship, popery. Is this the Catholic Church? No. Catholicism will surely be involved, but so will be Methodists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Islams, Buddhism, and even Baptists. That said, the connection between the history and the practice of Roman Catholicism could be a description of this religious system, and it cannot be passed by. But all faiths will be there. Let's look at her prosperity. Garments, wealth, the ritual, the trappings of religion. There's the wealth of religion. Let's look at her personality. We have the origin of the Babylon mother in Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. Look at Cush, Nimrod, Zoroaster, Sunbeam, Ishtar eggs, unicorns, circle of life, yin and yang. This system is as old as time and as new as it has to be. She is a city. She is a system. Let's look at her persecutions. This system will be responsible for the death of the saints of the Lord. From Cain and Abel to the tribulation saints, this religious system has been responsible for the martyrdom of tens of millions of Christians. It's not tonight, nor has it ever been the denomination that determines a person's. It is the blood of Jesus that makes the difference. Now that we've looked at the mother, let's look at the scope of the system. We're told that the harlot sitteth upon many waters, Verse 15 gives us the commentary on this verse. What we see here is a one-world religious system. Right now, there are thousands of religions on this planet, and there is little agreement between them. The primary religions recognized by most people are Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. Most of the world's population observes one of these religions. There will come a day when all the religions of the world will be brought together under one banner. The Antichrist or the false prophet will have a plan that will iron out the difference between these systems of belief. One day there will be a one world religion. There is already a great push in that direction now. There's a movement working in our day that is seeking to bring all the religions of the world together. Christianity is different from all other religions on the earth because it is not really a religion. It is a faith. When the rapture occurs, all true Christians will be removed from this world. What will be left will be those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. These people will be easy prey for the devil and the demonic religion. If we look at the seduction of this system, we see in verse 2, the entire world will come under the spell of this great end-time religion. Kings and world leaders will be part of the movement. The whole world will be intoxicated by the teaching of this false system of belief. Like a slick seductress, this great harlot will seduce the world with her promises and her power. There will be supporters of this system. This harlot is supported by the Antichrist. The Antichrist is the beast, and he carries this religious system to great power in the world. 
The phrase full of names of blasphemy reminds us that the Antichrist will set himself up as God. He will enter the Jewish temple and he will demand that the world worship him. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 3 through 4. He will demand worship and a deluded world will give him what he desires. Look at chapter 2 verse 11 in 2 Thessalonians. He will give this religion its power. According to verse 9, this system sits on seven hills. That could be a reference to ancient Rome, which was built on seven hills. Some people think that this reference ties this system in with Catholicism. However, the seven hills could be a reference to the seven continents, which would indicate that this system is worldwide in nature. You know, there's a tendency to try and figure out which religion this passage is referring to. I believe it will contain Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, Muslims, Presbyterians, Methodists, Church of God, and yes, Baptists. I believe the final construction of this end-time religion is best left in the hands of the Lord. Let's look at the success of this system. Just as a prostitute usually dresses provocatively to draw attention to herself, so does this false religious system. This religion wears the colors purple and scarlet. These are the colors of royalty and nobility. She is decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. This speaks to her wealth and prosperity. This system will be wealthy beyond words. This is true of many of the great religious systems of our day. There is big money in religion, and some people will grow very wealthy at the expense of others while bringing damnation to their soul. The Bible tells us that this system is well-connected and prosperous, but it's all pretense. The harlot holds in her hands a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornications. While this religion appears healthy, good, and prosperous on the outside, it is really filled with corruption. It is an abomination to God. There is great danger as any church or domination grows that will thrive on its prosperity and forget its allegiance to the Lord. There's subtle seduction in money and power that can easily lead a system, the course of holiness and godliness. Many movements that begin today have gone away from God and have been seduced by power, popularity, and prosperity. There's a tendency to change so that the trends can continue. If you look at the spirit of this system, in ancient times it was common for prostitutes to wear identification so that prospective customers could recognize them. This system is identified by God as the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. When we speak of Babylon, many people immediately think of a city, and it is a city located today in the country of Iraq. Babylon, the city, was once the grandest capital of the most powerful nation in the world. Today is it abandoned by everyone but archaeologists and historians. But Babylon is also a system. Babylon is described as the system from which every false religious system in the world originated. That's where the title mother implies. This Babylonian system first appeared in Genesis chapter 11 verses 1 through 9. The city was called Babel and it was founded by a very wicked man named Nimrod. The people of Babel decided to build themselves a tower so they could leave their mark on the world. Genesis chapter 11 verses 3 through 4 
The flood was fresh in their minds, and they wanted to leave their mark on the world. This tower was not designed to reach into heaven, as some may think. It was designed as a temple of heaven. The constellations were placed on top of this tower, and men climbed to it to worship the heavenly bodies. This tower and religion is represented in the first of many false religions started by man. They were the first false religionists. They will not be the last. However, the seeds of humanism and pride that are found in their attempt at forming their own religion can be found in every religion, false religion, founded by man. God judged these people for their rebellion and for their foolish worship. Just as he judged them, he will one day judge all the false religions of the world. That's what we see in Revelation chapter 17. This chapter clearly reveals what will happen to the false religions of this world at the end of the tribulation period. Let's look at the slaughter of this system. This system of belief is responsible for the death of every saint who has ever died at the hands of false religion. From the death of Abel to the prophets to the early Christian martyrs to the martyrs of the Inquisition and all the way to the millions of martyrs that will be in the tribulation, every single death can be laid at the feet of the Babylonian harlot. She is responsible for the deaths of God's children and she will be judged for her bloodthirsty ways. If you look at the Babylonian system demystified, it shows that there are some confusing verses. Verse 8 refers to the miracle of the Antichrist's death and resurrection. Revelation 13.3, whether the death and re- resurrection is real or faked, it doesn't matter. The result will be the same. Most of the lost people of the world will believe the miracle and follow the Antichrist. Verse 10 refers to the seven great world kingdoms. Five were already passed in John's day. This was Egypt, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. One was ruling, that was Rome. The one to come is the kingdom of the Antichrist. Verse 11 refers to the reign of the Antichrist. He will be a world leader, but after the miracle of his death and resurrection, he will become the ruler of the world, but his judgment is set in stone. Even with all his power and popularity, the Antichrist is headed to perdition. The word perdition means utter destruction. In verses 12 through 13, the benefactors of of this are demystified. These two verses refer to ten kings who will give their allegiance and power to the Antichrist. In return, he gives them great power and authority. These kings are wholly committed to the reign of the Antichrist. They are given a kingdom, but their reign is short-lived. As we mentioned in our last study, the nations of the world under the direction of the Antichrist and his kings will gather to do battle with Jesus Christ at Armageddon. They are fighting a losing battle because they are foolish enough to attack the Lamb and the Son of God. The Lamb they attack is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will destroy them with the word of his mouth. We'll look at Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. This verse also refers to those who are with the Lamb and when he does battle with the world. These people who are called, chosen, and faithful refer to the bride of Christ. That, my friends, is us. 
When he comes, we are coming with him. We will watch the lamb do battle and shout for him as he claims victory over all his enemies. What a day will that be. Hallelujah, praise God. And we look at the destruction of economic Babylon. One day, every belief system in the world that bypasses the Lord Jesus Christ will be utterly destroyed and will cease to exist. That will be a devastating day for the devil and his followers, but it will be a glorious day for the God of heaven and for his son Jesus. Clearly, chapter 17 reveals the demise of Babylon, and this chapter reveals the doom of an economic Babylon. In verses 1 through 2, a mighty angel shining with the glory of heaven appears on the scene. This angel comes to announce the condition and the condemnation of this world's economic system. Man will not only be deprived of the religion he created, he will also suffer the loss of the wealth he craves. Nothing seems to devastate people more than destitution. Take away a man's money and often you take away his reason for living. This was the case in 1929 when the stock market crashed. October the 29th, 1929 became known as Black Tuesday, and when the stock market crashed, the world was plunged into the Great Depression. Over the next few years, the economic structure of the U.S. economy was nearly destroyed. Over 9,000 banks closed their doors between 1930 and 1933. Production in U.S. manufacturing plants ground to a halt, leaving millions unemployed. Many lost their homes to foreclosure. Others lost their health to malnutrition, and all across this nation, people waited in soup lines for their meals. These verses tell us of an economic collapse that will make the stock market crash of 1929 look like losing 20 cents in a pop machine. This economic disaster will be worldwide in its scope, and it will take away Mankind's favorite God, money. Our money has the words, and God we trust, printed or stamped on every piece. For far too many, the God they trust is that piece of money that they hold in their hands. We've already considered the destruction of the one world religious system that will dominate the end times. But in this study, we're also considering the demise of one world economic system that will dominate the world in those days. Whether we realize it or not, the world's economy is already headed toward being one vast system. We see a system that is corrupted. The spirit of this system tells us that the spirit behind it is energized and controlled by demons and evil spirits. It will be totally vile and corrupt. Things will get worse. And they will. We see the seduction of the system. The Babylonian system will seduce the entire world. Kings and merchants all will tie their futures to what happens in this economic boom. Billions of dollars will be made as wealthy people of the earth give everything they have to get their hands on all they can get. Hasn't there always been some scheme cooking in people's head, thinking that they'll get rich quick? The love of money is the greatest corrupter of mankind that's ever been conceived. Money in and of itself is not evil. But when a person loves money to the point where it controls their life and their lifestyle, it becomes evil. 
you look at the sentence of this system, the angels preparing to pronounce God's judgment, judgment on this corrupt system. And before he does, he calls for God's people to avoid getting caught up in the wickedness of that hour. The angel calls for the people of God to reject this system and the sins of this system. He expects us to be motivated by a different set of values. You know, the ancient power of Babel failed to reach the heavens, but the sins of this system have succeeded in reaching the throne of God. See, God in his patience has held back his judgment. Now the sins of Babylon come up in the remembrance of God, and the day of his judgment has arrived. You know, I praise the Lord that those who are in Jesus do not have to worry about their sins being remembered. Consider the wonderful promise of Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. When we stand before God, covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, all he can see is the blood of Jesus. He can't see the sinner behind it. In verse 7, we see her deception. This system glorifies itself. It thinks it's so powerful and so glorious that it is above sorrow and judgment. The Babylonian system is about to learn a harsh lesson. Lots of people have the same attitude about their lives. They think that they're safe and they will never be judged. God has a word for people with that attitude. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, it says, For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travel up a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Her glory, her power, and her pride will not stave off the judgment of the Lord. Her destruction will be swift and sure. In one day, all that man has built over thousands of years will be brought to nothing. Judgment will come, and there will be no escape. God makes promises and not threats. This system has defied his word and defiled his ways. He will come in judgment and none will be able to stop his hand or stop his purposes. He is about to judge the world and none can stop him. This is a corrupted system and a condemned system. The last few verses bring the judgment of economic Babylon to a conclusion. Her condemnation will be categorized by a millstone cast into the sea. See, a millstone was a huge round stone that was used to grind grain. A typical millstone was about four to five feet in diameter and about a foot thick. A stone of that nature would sink to the bottom of the sea and it would not float back to the surface. This stone is used to illustrate the judgment that is coming upon Babylon. Babylon will be destroyed and it will not rise to power again. This is what Jeremiah prophesied many years ago in Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 64. And thou shalt say thus shall Babylon sink and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her and they will, shall be weary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. The judgment of Babylon will be sudden, swift, and sure and her condemnation shall be completed. When Babylon is judged and ceases to exist, her passing will also signal the passing of life as the world knows it. God hates false religion. In the end of the world, who will use the ungodly to destroy the ungodly? Organized religion is a disgrace to God. When rituals, 
tradition, and doctrines of men take prominence over the Lord God, it is false worship. It does not matter what name they have over the door. It does not matter what they claim to be. And when anything or anyone but Jesus Christ is the center of attention, it is a false religion, and it will be destroyed by God one day. When the tribulation period ends, all false religion will have been destroyed. This will pave the way for the millennial reign of Jesus. He will usher in a 1,000-year period of time when people will worship no one but him. Did you know that man is a religious creature? That's right. All people worship something. Everyone believes something. Even the person who claims to be an atheist believes in his unbelief. When it's all said and done, this thing comes down to two simple choices. Jesus Christ or false religion. Every belief system in the world does not, that does not center on the Lord Jesus is a false system of belief. Now, this isn't my word. This is his word. So is it Jesus or is it religion? Do not just be satisfied to join a church or be baptized. Do not be satisfied to get your name on the roll of some religious organization. Do not be satisfied with anything less than believing on Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation. Anything else is just religion. Anything less than Jesus is a prescription for hell. In my large audience of 1.5 million listeners, there are some of you that have never accepted our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to seriously consider your salvation this morning. Ask yourself, if I died right now, where would I spend eternity? We are in the times of the final countdown. Some of you would say, well, preacher, you don't know. You're right, I don't know. I do not know the hour or the day when our Lord will return to take home what is this, what is his. But I know this. In the months that we have studied the book of Revelation, how can you not say that we are living in the last days? History is being fulfilled right now, today, across the globe. The stage is set for the return of our Savior. There's only one thing missing. God has not yet said that it's time. You see, right now, God is still in the business of saving souls. There will come a time where invitations like this will no longer be given. And the Bible says there will be weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. And that is only the beginning for those who are not saved. There are some of you out here that have been saved. And for whatever reason, you strayed from the word of God. Maybe you were hurt by something someone said. Maybe the pastor at your church said something or did something you didn't like. Maybe he made it personal. It happens. It happened to me once. You cannot put your pastor on a pedestal and expect him to be a god. People do it all the time. But that doesn't make sense. Your pastor is just a man born under the same sin of Adam as you. As we say in East Tennessee, I hate to bust your bubble, but he's also a sinner. For whatever the reason, God needs you. He needs you to return to him. He needs you to re-enlist in his army. We are in the middle of a war, brothers and sisters, and God needs everyone to return to him and use your talents to fight our common enemy and spread the word of God. If you can, bow with me. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the time we've had this morning to study your word. Father, I ask you to search the hearts of those within the sound of my voice. If they're not saved, O oh God, I ask you to touch their heart. Impress on them the need for salvation. Show them the way, Father. If there be those that have accepted your Son as Savior and Lord, I thank you for each one of them. If there are those out there that are saved, but for whatever reason have turned away from you to the world, I ask you to touch their heart. Show them, God, how much you need them in this battle, not just for planet Earth, but for eternity. We need everyone, God, that can profess your word or serve you in some way. Touch them all, God. 
God and protect them. For this prayer we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you made a decision today, I would like to know about it. If you need us to pray for you, I would consider it an honor. Please send an email to ministry at christ-lives.org or visit us on the web at www.christ-lives.org and select our contact page. You don't have to leave names. God knows who you are. If you wish to do so or would like a call from me, please be, be free to include your telephone number. I don't keep this information electronically. As soon as I get the information, it goes into my private journal. I promise I will not share this information with anyone unless you ask me to share the basics with others for the purposes of prayer. Thank you for your time and attention today. And may God bless you and keep you. Amen.